Hello everyone, welcome to this episode of the Keeping It Sporty podcast here on CAUT-FM 89.5. You can listen to us on Spotify and we are brought to you by CAUT-FM 89.5 on your dial here in Toronto and in southwestern Ontario. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking a little bit about the Raptors and the new head coaching hire and how basketball can take a toll on people through various aspects. And now I am joined by a former professional basketball player, if I can call you that, mm-hmm. and teacher at my school, Mr. Ryan Marast. Mr. Marast, how's it going? Going great. Okay, good stuff, good stuff. So why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, maybe how you got in teaching, uh, playing some basketball, maybe the level of basketball you played? Yeah, for sure. So I wanted to be a teacher since fifth grade, oddly enough, uh, and I also knew I wanted to play basketball in some capacity after school. Uh, so I used that as a vehicle to get myself into university, and then once I was kind of finished competing in university, I went to Acadia and Lakehead University in Canada. And then I played a few seasons overseas in Britain uh, afterwards. And then I was kind of where I first started teaching, too. So I did some supply teaching there for a while. Oh, very cool. That's mm-hmm. very cool how you got into teaching and basketball. So let's get into a little bit of the head coaching mm-hmm. job now for the Raptors. So, of course, Nick Nurse signed with the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, now, on the outside looking in, obviously, from a friend's perspective, we tend to like Nick Nurse. Mm-hmm. But... You have a little bit of a different story with your friends you were telling me that played for him under England with Nick Nurse. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about the story? Yeah, so when Nick Nurse was really early in his coaching careers, because he did bounce around the United States and Europe a little bit, uh, he found himself in England. And not the team that I played for, uh, because the team team I played for, Nick Nurse didn't coach. It was the team before that, that was in the same region. So it was the Brighton Bears and a bunch of my friends that I played with. They all played for him um, on the Brighton Bears. And they had real mixed feelings uh, mm-hmm. about him at the time. Uh, and I would imagine like it's probably pretty tough being like a rookie head coach or just trying to make your way up the ranks. Yeah. So there's probably a lot of missed promises and things didn't get fulfilled. Uh, but yeah, he if you remember Dennis Rodman, Dennis Rodman was an NBA player, and kind of after his career was kind of done, he signed with the Brighton Bears with uh, the guys that I played with. So they played with Dennis Rodman for a few games. Uh, Nick Nurse brought him over, but that ultimately bankrupted the club. So yeah. my first year in England, the club was already defunct. So and Nick Nurse, I'm not sure where he went after that. I think he went to the G League after that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting that you say that. And obviously, it's good to hear different viewpoints, because mm-hmm. of what we see as a fan's perspective on TV, that is, and what can actually be behind the scenes are obviously two different things. So, yeah, that, that's pretty cool. And I guess he was also starting off as a head coach, so maybe it was just a little bit of a learning curve for everyone, right? Yeah, and I think in some of those smaller markets, especially in Europe, there's there's a lot of leagues, and they, they're mm-hmm. tough to sustain, so you got to do things to try to get, like, bums and seats. Yeah. Uh, so it was a, it was a chance, but... I don't know. Some people got some pretty good pictures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dennis Rodman. And he played really well, apparently. Oh, well, that, that's really cool, yeah. too. Dennis Rodman. I didn't, like, I didn't know he, he could, played in England. That's, yeah, uh, he scored a good amount the couple games that he played, and I don't think they lost. He wouldn't. He said he wouldn't let them lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um, tough when you're in that mindset of winning, of course, you have to. Yeah, and he's like a, there's levels to it, too, right? So he's like an NBA champion. Professional. Yeah, of course. And there of course. was an NBA Yeah, there's guys. that whole documentary on him on ESPN as well, I believe. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty cool that they got to play with him. I, I might have to get your friends on as well, this, the podcast. Be yeah, there's cool. a few of them still kicking around. Yeah, in yeah. England, for sure. Very cool. So, Raptors hire the new head coach a few days ago, Darko Rajakovic, former assistant of the Memphis Grizzlies. 
a little bit of an oddball hire, I guess. I don't know. What are your thoughts on the hire? It's tough. When you get to the professional level, I'm not a big uh, supporter of thinking the coach really makes the team. I guess at the highest level, when you're getting into NBA championship, possibly. But having somebody that's a very good people person, I feel like at the professional level is important. So I don't know much about the guy at all. It's kind of cool that we, we picked just somebody random. I mean, that's kind of how we got Nick Nurse yeah. as well. People thought he was quite of a, a bit of a random hire, but he did have a lot of, out of the, not necessarily out-of-the-box ideas, but ideas that they weren't using in the NBA that you'd use more in college and high school, even elementary school. So he did all kinds of like things that you used to do, but as you go up the levels... It, for whatever reason, it gets eliminated. But maybe this guy has some out-of-the-box thinking, possibly. I heard player development was a strength of his, and is a good thing. Yeah, we got away from player development. We used to have a pretty good player development program, I feel like. But we haven't really produced anybody in the last few seasons yeah, that true. has been like significant. Well, you even look at like a player like Scotty Barnes, and it's like, well... Yeah. How much time did he really have where he didn't play with the Raptors, right? I think they just, if I remember correctly, they just put him right on the team. Yeah. And that he's in play, and that was it. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it how it affects the Raptors. Because, obviously, this team's not going to be good next year. We, no, we both know that. They're probably going to be in the lottery, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't see them getting to, like, the lower parts, but I, I think they'll be kind of on the verge of missing the playoffs, for sure. Yeah, they, they might make the play, and I don't I don't even see yeah. maybe them making the play. And it's going to be yeah. tough. Yeah, Fred didn't decide he's probably going to test the open market. No, I, Other I guys are going to test the open I market. I doubt he's coming back. Because, I mean, he declined the player option. Yeah. Because, obviously, he wants more money. Yeah. But I don't think he's coming back. I think he's been No, he's there. probably run his course. Yeah. I mean, I, in my personal opinion, he's too small. Can't yeah. have that many small guards. Yeah, that's true. They, they needed... Um, they definitely need a center. I mean, obviously, Pirtle's good, and they've got Achua. And yeah. They've got, uh, who else do they have? Achua's good. He's big, okay. but he's, like, he's just big. I know. That's and it. he's not quite a <laughs> center. He's kind of a, a weird, I don't know, 3-4 type player that doesn't mm-hmm. shoot the ball overly well. Yeah. Yeah, the, the team has some problems that need to be taken care of, for sure. And obviously, the, the lack of, of depth is, like... Yeah, it'd be nice if we got all the Canadian kids. Yeah. That yeah. would be interesting. Well, I also, another thing that's I think is important to note with the hiring of mm-hmm. the coach, Darko Rajakovic, is that he is Serbian. And so maybe, who knows, maybe it'll be a player that comes from Serbia, a Jokic type. You never know, right? Yeah, I mean, could. it worked out with Jokic. I'm not saying it'll happen again, but hopefully something like that could, could Yeah, because I don't know much about his background or what he's done in Europe or wherever I, else I'm not sure too much. At all. Well, he's, uh, I know he was a former assistant for Memphis. Yeah. That, that's about it. I don't, I don't know too much about him either. But I guess we'll come to find out with yeah. his coaching style. So. Trust in Masai. Yes, trust in Masai. <laughs> trust in Masai until it doesn't work, I guess. Right? <laughs> okay, so moving on to your basketball career a little bit, because I want to ask you a few questions about that. So I'd imagine, like you said, you played on the road quite a bit, obviously, in England and stuff like that. How did it affect your mental health? One of the things, like one of my coaches, uh, Scott Morrison, when I was at Lakehead, he gave us a talk right before like the last month of the season close to senior day somewhere in there and he was letting us preparing us for the time when you're no longer a basketball player because for a long time a lot of us like especially myself like I played basketball probably every single day after school from about grade six all the way through high school and then into university for five years because in Canada you got five years so at the end of that, that's kind of your identity, right? Like anytime I would come back from 
school or overseas, people would like refer to me as like a, a basketball player. Mm-hmm. And then once it's kind of done, and that's the point my coach is making that you're no longer a guy that plays basketball. You're a guy that used to play basketball. And you see that in a lot of the sports marketing agencies now. They have, like, psychology uh, portions to them because it's tough to make the transition if you're one thing for your whole life and then now you can't do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that aspect, I did struggle with that a little bit because I didn't play at, like, a super high level, but I was still playing every day and I was going to the gym and I still did everything the basketball players did. And then all of a sudden I was just meant to integrate back into kind of society. And it's a bit weird. People ask you, like, when I first came back, I had to get, like, a regular job before I became a teacher because there's a bit of a lull period there. And it was, like, almost embarrassing, like, working, even though it's, like, honorable to work. But people are like, aren't you a basketball player? Like, why are you here? Like, what are you doing this job for? Like, this doesn't seem right. So it was a weird transition for a little bit. Then once I kind of finally started teaching, then I moved on to a second phase of my life. Mm -hmm. But as far as the season would go... Uh, the grind wasn't too crazy. I would imagine the NBA season would be way worse. We didn't play nearly oh, yeah, as many games. Yeah. We played probably half. And then in college, you only play about 20 or 30 games. If you're if you're lucky, if you're good, you'll get about 30 games in, 40 maybe, if, depending on the exhibitions. And in Europe, it was probably about 45 with all the cups and tournaments that we played in. So the NBA, that that's long. I, I feel like that would have a real toll on your mental health. Us, we would get into like crammed vans sometimes and have to go somewhere or get on uh, really cheap flights early in the morning or late at night. So those were a bit of a hassle, but nothing that, yeah. you know, you weren't away from home for like a week mm-hmm. or two weeks. So it was, it was actually, it was pretty good as far as that went. Now, a lot of people, especially I find at my age, around 18, even a little bit before that, mm-hmm. they have to start considering, do I really want to continue with the sport to go on? Now, I wonder, did you ever have that moment where you were like, should I consider going pro or continuing on and making it up there a little bit more mm-hmm. than just... Uh, I, it was, it was, that's an interesting question. Like For me, it was strange because I thought I was always going to go to the next level. So mm-hmm. if I played in my elementary school team, I just assumed that I would play in high school. And from high school, I just assumed that I would play in university. And from university, I actually legitimately assumed that I'd just go play pro. As, and it just kind of, it worked that way easily. And then into my career, towards the end of it, when I started coaching, and especially when I retired, I noticed the kids that I was coaching, I was like, there's 12 of you, and maybe one of you is going to go on to play. And it kind of dawned on me there that, yeah, not everybody, not everybody's going to play. And all of these kids that are 17, 18 years old in all these tournaments, 2% of you are going to go on or 3% of you are going to go on to play. So it was, it was a bit strange that, that like, oh my goodness, like not everyone's going to continue on. So mm-hmm. if you're, if you really want to play basketball, it doesn't matter what you do, you should want to quit. So there were many times where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. This probably doesn't work for me. Probably shouldn't be in university. Maybe I shouldn't be on the high school team. Maybe I shouldn't be playing pro. But that means that you're in the right place. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting that you say that about the 2% thing. Because it's true. Like Only a handful of people are going to make it. And especially from Canada, right? Yeah. Because obviously the bigger market everybody knows is down in the United States. So, I mean, it's tough. I mean, you know what the other thing is? Connections, right? That's the other thing. You could yeah. be, there could be somebody way better than you, but if you have a connection, you know. Yeah, it, it definitely helps. helps. And especially, well, also to when I was coming up, it, it was really important that you had connections because social media and mm-hmm. the internet wasn't 
quite where it is now at all. So a lot of people share clips. It's a lot easier for a coach in California to see somebody that's in Manitoba. Yeah. Whereas before that would be impossible. Like mm-hmm. they weren't going to Manitoba. Nobody was going to Saskatchewan. Nobody was going to bother to really go to Calgary or Alberta or any anywhere really other than maybe Toronto, maybe Montreal, possibly if there was a kid that was like really good through the pipeline mm-hmm. uh but now it's a little it's a little bit easier as far as like you can get yourself out there if you want to do the legwork because i even when i was in school like i contacted a lot of coaches in the ncaa and juco in cis or U sport whatever it's called now so i i, I did a lot of the legwork so mm-hmm. i don't know if everyone is willing to do that put together a tape contact coaches talk to them yeah. and try to start that own dialogue people usually just wait and see what happens but it's definitely a, probably a lot easier even guys before me they paved the way yeah and people do come a lot more to find the uh, talent here yeah that's true i mean as i said don't burn your bridges right you yeah. can never burn bridges exactly yeah exactly okay so with regards to the wnba now mm-hmm. i was going to ask you a few questions about that so obviously there's a wnba game here in toronto back in may Uh, Chicago and Minnesota. So, with regards to trying to bring women's involvement in the game up a little bit, how do you think we can really do that? I mean, to bring, like, for example, to get WNBA games to get on the same level, or a similar level, as NBA games. Because I feel like there's just a huge, like, gap in between them right now. There's definitely a huge gap. Here in Canada, though, like, our, our female team is probably better than our male team like our, our female program even for like football like uh soccer like our females really 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 perform so as far as getting a wnba team i think it would be a good investment just for the wnba or whoever i know there's different management groups that are trying to get that together mm-hmm. but i think that would definitely help grow the game and have some of the girls because we have a lot of really good girls in college right now it'd have somewhere for them to like focus their energy and be like i can go play at home i don't have to go to russia or i don't have to go there's a, a league in england for females and some people would come over and play so maybe you could stay at home and actually play in front of people that uh can come watch you and mm-hmm. watching you supporting you the whole time well that's what they were saying maybe there's a wnba team in canada soon you never know right kind yeah, of like I with think the raptors I, I think we NBA? can get it together for i think sure. so too and yeah. it was a sold out crowd that day so that was uh, yeah i think it would stay sold out in a market like this people people definitely have a hunger for that and i think expanding the coverage of it as well like putting a wnba game for example on sportsnet or tsn or whoever may have the rights to that i feel like expanding the coverage would definitely help grow the game on the women's side of it as well yeah definitely just more exposure for more people to see Yeah. Yeah, because the, the the women's game is 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 a lot better. Like basketball in general is just a lot better from when it would have been in like the '70s or '80s or '90s. So the skill level and all of that is much much higher than it's ever been. And with the advancement of technology as well, it's it's definitely helping those players. I mean, I, I would I would assume when you were kind of growing up and in, in the basketball community, technology, like you said, wasn't really nowhere near as big as it is now. Wasn't a thing. I remember I went to yeah. this is after I finished it. This this parent at a camp I was working at bought this $25,000 machine that tracked your shot. So really? it let you know like what your arc was. It had a printout. It was big. It was like a, it was big like that cart over there. But now you can do the same thing on your phone. So yeah. you can just set your phone there and it'll track your shot. It'll tell you the angle. So like the technology is in the palm of your hand and it doesn't matter really what kind of phone you have or what device. Yeah. So you don't need $25,000. No, so not. the barrier to entry is much lower now for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it really helps. Like, everybody says, I mean, technology is bad, which 
Could be, right? Depends. There's a lot be. of negative effects, but there's also yeah. a lot of positives as well, so I guess it depends on... Hammer, you can build you a house or you can hit yourself in the face. Exactly. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> that was a good reference right there. Um, okay, you know what? This is great. Okay, I want to do one more topic. Yep. Before we get to the kind of fun part of the interview, some trivia questions. Sure. Um, so I find that referees, no matter the sport, often get criticized, which they do. Mm-hmm. Do you think coaches and players need to take it easy on the refs a little bit? Like, like okay, I'll give you an example. Nick Nurse, like, I, I told you, oh, I like Nick Nurse, he used to yell at the refs, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Because, obviously, the refs were what they were. But I feel like, it, it, do they just need to, like, face it? Or is it, is it a part of a job? Or do you think, like, coaches and players need to take it easy a little bit on these refs? Um, I think it's a tough one because you're in such a heated... State of mind. State of mind, yeah. yeah. Like, adrenaline's flowing. There could be a lot on the line. So, yeah, it's people tough. definitely lose their professionalism mm-hmm. and coaches. I would probably, just because I'm a coach now, I'd rather the coach take the brunt of that and get after the refs versus, like, the players. Yeah. Because, yeah, people all hold biases and people are always, like, you know, if. You know, you don't like somebody. Yeah. Somebody rubs you the wrong way. So you don't want to catch somebody on a bad day. If you're a player, you want to, like, any of my kids that have played for me, like, they're not allowed to speak to the ref or you'll never play again. Mm-hmm. Just because I want to make sure the ref doesn't label you a certain way. And if something bad happened, like, yeah, I'll take a technical foul, I'll get kicked out of the game, whatever, that's fine. But in the NBA, it, I think people get frustrated because it doesn't seem like the refs are ever held accountable for anything. Yeah, and they were saying, do they have to speak to the media after the game as well? Yeah, or? and I don't think that does anything either. Like, I, people exactly. make mistakes, I just, you just go off. It happens, right? It's also, yeah. like, from the referee point of view, it's also just right in the moment. You have to make a call yeah, quickly. There's very a lot of pressure quickly, on you. Yeah. But then again, it's like... They're not watching it in super slow motion like everybody exactly, else at home. Exactly. Just getting super upset. And they don't... I, I hope they don't. They shouldn't have, like, a parlay bets where... <laughs> oh, have, my gosh, Or that yeah. might have ruined their parlay because of the... Co- like, whatever That happened call. many, many years ago with Scott Foster. I mean, there was yep. that, whole, that whole controversy with him and Scotty Barnes and how he tossed him, and there was, like, 30 seconds left in the game. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, Scotty was arguing, but it was a back and forth. And I think, yeah, it was the 2006-2007 season. Yeah. Because I, I did some research on this, and I found that he was actually betting on games yep. that he was refereeing, so... Yeah, it's happened throughout sports. That's an issue for another day, I guess. Yeah. yeah, That's um, definitely... You you don't want that to happen. It's unethical, right? And I think it's also illegal to bet on the games that you're refereeing. Yeah, of course, of course. That's never good to have that. But back to what you were saying, I agree with the whole coaches talking to the referees or arguing with the referees, whatever the case may be. And for a player, you have to keep that calmness and collectiveness because, of course, you don't want to get kicked out of the game if you're a player. Yeah. The coach... Whatever the coach will take the brunt, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's 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 very true. What you're saying. Okay. So now on to these few trivia questions that we have because I know you're gonna get going soon. So we'll wrap this up. First question. Okay, this one's very easy. How many teams are there in the NBA? Thirty. Oh, okay. Too easy. Which NBA player has sold the most jerseys? That would be a little bit tougher, but I think you'll still get it. LeBron. Yes. Two for two. Uh, oh, okay, here's another one. Which NBA team has the most players in the Hall of Fame? So there's four choices, okay? This one I gave choices. San Antonio Spurs, yep. A. B, Chicago Bulls. Mm-hmm. C, the Boston Celtics. Or D, the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Celtics? Yes, that's correct. So yes, D, Boston Celtics. Finally, 
the late great Kobe Bryant's nickname? Mamba. Yes, the Black Mamba. You got it. That's exactly it. Yes, that was um, rest in peace. You know, that was that was a very tough day. Trying. That was a tough day yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people, and I'm yeah, surprised they didn't play that day. Yeah, oh, a lot yeah. of my friends cried. Yeah. yeah, some of them played on the national team, so they played against him. Yeah, I guess. Not that they I guess. Knew him did your friends know him, or some of them, or uh, guys that played on the national team? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that must have been very, very tough. Yeah. Mr. Morass, thanks for taking the time to do this. That yeah, was a lot thank of you fun. very much. And you were very professional with a lot of these topics, so yeah. thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Anytime, anytime. You've been listening to the Keeping It Sporty podcast here on CAUTFM 89.5. Don't forget to listen to us on Spotify and make sure to follow us on Instagram at Keeping It Sporty. That's K E E P I N with no G. It Sporty. S P O R T Y. I've been your host, Elias Dracos. So long, and see you next time. Nice.